All right, let's pray and uh, commit this time to the Lord. Father, we come and I recognize that I need you this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together. Um, December is a full month. There is, there is so much that takes place. Lord, at, at times I just ask that we would be able to slow down. That we can stop. We can breathe in and out and we can enjoy the moment that you give to us. Our minds probably race even right now as I pray. They probably race about things that are going to take place after the service. They might be racing about things that will take place next week or even next month. Father, I pray that you would use this time. I pray that you would speak to us. Use your word as you always do to challenge our hearts, to bring conviction. It is not mine to convict or to convince. It is yours. But Father, I pray that I would be a tool that you can use to communicate your love and your truth. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I really do love Christmas. I think most Americans do. Uh, Christmas is a good time. I, I know in saying that, that there are those people that really have a hard time this time of year. Christmas is a, a painful time for some people. Um, as, as we move forward and as we get closer to Christmas, I hope that you will keep that in mind. And maybe you might even be thinking, if you are one of those people that really enjoy Christmas a lot, that you would be thinking about maybe one person that you know that tends to be a bit more lonely. Or maybe they get a bit withdrawn this time of year. And maybe you might just, in your own unique way, put your arms around them and, and just love them at, at this time. Um, if you are one of those people that have a hard time this time of year, allow someone to put their arm around you and, and really embrace what God wants to do this Christmas season for you. Uh, Christmas. When I was a kid, <clears throat> there's a Christmas I remember um, that stands out. A number of Christmases stand out to me. One particular Christmas, I think I was about 12 years of, of age, about 12 years old, um, had our Christmas gathering, and I think it was after Christmas, and it was all of the family came together at our house, and I remember that my uncle was unable to be there that particular Christmas. And he was really, thinking back on it now, he was going through some really hard times. You know, it's interesting when you're 12, you don't always know what's really going on in the family. But then you grow older and you realize, oh, there was a lot maybe going on that I was unaware of or I kind of knew a little bits and pieces of it. There was really more going on than what I, what I knew. He didn't make it to Christmas, our Christmas gathering, but he brought a Christmas gift for each me, me uh, for me and my brothers. And and for me at age 12, that's what I wanted the most was the Christmas gift. Well, at least he brought a Christmas gift. And so we are we're we're gathered together and I was given my Christmas gift for my uncle who is not there. And I'm ready to tear it open. Just go through and get to this Christmas gift. I want to find out what it is. And I had all this anticipation of I'm ready for it. I want this Christmas gift. And as we're doing this, my dad has the video camera on me 
one of the, you know, one of those video cameras, this was around 1989 probably, a little bit bigger than what they are now. Of course, we just use our phone now. He's, he's there with his camcorder, 8mm camcorder, and he's recording us. And I'm, I'm there, and I'm tearing it open, and I open it up, and my Christmas gift, I can still picture it. It was a bus. It was a school bus with these little Sesame Street figurines. And I was 12 years old, and I remember just kind of wearing my emotion on my sleeve. I was like, oh. (laughs) And I was kind of like, come on. I'm 12 years old. You got me a school bus with some Sesame Street figurines. Oh, my goodness. I was depleted. I was like, I can't, I can't believe this. But the worst part of it all is my dad was there recording everything. <laughs> and he's there recording it. And I remember afterwards, my dad talked to me. And he, he kind of said something like, Nathan, when you receive a gift, I want you to still be grateful for the gift even if you don't like the gift, because you didn't do anything to, receive, to, to deserve this gift. It was just simply given to you. You need to be more gracious in how you receive it. And then I had to sit down and watch me. I had to watch my response as I opened up that Christmas gift. And I was like, oh, that was kind of lame. That was a little bit troublesome. Oh, and I remember even in the years that that transpired. I remember occasionally watching some of those home videos and almost like getting that part and thinking, can't we just fast forward this part? I don't want to watch it again. I don't want to watch this again. His name is. We've been thinking the last couple of weeks about Jesus Messiah and the names that he is given from Isaiah 9, verse 6. And those words, those prophetic words tell us. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is a gift. The Messiah, Jesus, deliver, is a gift. A gift for you. A gift for me. A gift for the world. Now, interestingly enough, I know that, that all of us have varied responses to this gift, the Messiah. Some people in our culture, we have a tendency of saying, I don't care. Or, I was raised to care, but I just don't really care. Kind of have apathy. I don't, I, just, this doesn't do anything for me. Regardless of how we respond to this gift, the Messiah, this is the gift we need. This is the gift you need. This is the gift I need. Jesus, who is our wonderful counselor, he is mighty God. And today I want you to think with me about how he is our everlasting father. Jesus, the Messiah. Given this title, Everlasting Father, 
I want you to know that when this title was given, this title was hard. Hard for the Jewish people to embrace. A deliverer coming who would be the everlasting father? You're kidding me. No, there is one God. I know the one God. God the Father. There's going to be a deliverer coming who is also given the name everlasting father. This did not go over well. Take your Bibles. Turn to John. John chapter 14. I want to work through a passage of Scripture this morning with you. John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, you are welcome to turn. Um, in the Bible, in the P rack in front of you, you can follow along or you can just listen. And at this point, as I am getting ready for this, I recall that I told Ryan <laughs> I was going to have him give an announcement this morning. And I forgot because I had a couple other things on my mind. Ryan, would you just really quickly um, share your announcement before we go? Yeah, go for this. Here, we'll get you a microphone. Uh, I'm also the treasurer in the church, which means at the end of December, I hand out the little boxes for everybody's offerings. And if you have um, an assigned number, it means you have an assigned box, even if you give online or if you don't use the envelopes at all, you still have a box. And they'll be in the back of the foyer. I'll be there handing them out. They're alphabetical, easy to find. So you have to awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Isn't it nice we can make mistakes and just keep on going? <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate that. Sorry about that. Um, Ryan sent me a text last night. Can I have 30 seconds? Absolutely. Oops. <laughs> all right. There we go. All right. John 14. Let's look at verses 1. And following. This is Jesus speaking here, and this is what Jesus says. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. There are times where our hearts are troubled, aren't they? And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's saying, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, that's the Father. Trust also in me, that's the Son. Trust in the Father, trust in the Son. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Stop there. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's saying a number of things here, but a couple things I want to to draw to your attention. Jesus is saying, my father has a big house. My father has a big house, and there are a lot of rooms. Now, is he talking about an actual house? If this is an actual house, how do we all fit? Okay, if, if we get so hung up on what is this house actually like, I think we're missing the point here. Jesus is saying, my father has a dwelling place and it is a place I'm going and I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. There is going to be a second advent. I'm coming back and I'm going to take you to be with me in my father's dwelling. He's going to come back. 
Our Father has a dwelling, and it's made for you and me. There is a dwelling place. We were intended to dwell with the Father, with God the Father. That's where we're supposed to dwell. We are intended to dwell there. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to go. And while I'm gone, I will be preparing a place for you. But I'm also going to come back. And, and with this in mind, I think it is, you don't have to be so troubled. Don't be troubled. There's good news. My Father cares about you. God the Father cares. And he has a place for you. Let's read on. Remember verse 4, it just said this. Jesus was saying, you know the way to the place where I'm going. So I love the honesty of Thomas here in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Lord, we don't. You, you said that you know where I'm going. And truth is, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So if we don't know where you're going, how are we going to get there? I can't get there if I don't know where you're going. I'm going to follow you, but I don't even know where you're going. I love his honesty. I don't know. I don't know, Lord. So look at verse 6. Jesus says, Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus, the Son. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. Now catch this. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Stop there. Jesus is saying, Thomas, I am the way. I am not just one of many ways. No, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. I am not just one of many truths out there. I am the truth. Thomas, I am the life. You want life, Thomas? It's found in the Son. It is found in Jesus. But then Jesus is saying something beyond this. He's saying, Thomas... If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. From this point on, Thomas, and disciples who are listening, Thomas and disciples, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Now that had to just shake them. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And so Philip speaks up. And Philip chimes in here, verse 8. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Lord, just, just show us the, the Father. Show us the Father. If you would just show us the Father, we're cool with that. We'll be good with that. Lord, just show us the Father. Show me the Father. And Jesus' response, verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, 
Anyone, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Jesus is saying to Philip, Philip, remind me again, how long have have we been walking together? You've been with me for a while, Philip. Philip, do you really not get this? Philip, you have been with me so long. You need to understand this. Philip, if you have seen me, you've seen God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Philip, I and the Father are one. You see me. You know the Father. If you want to know the Father, Philip, you know me. As you get to know me, you get to know the Father. Why? Because we are one. And I I love this because this must have been really hard. This had to be really hard for Philip to accept this had to be so hard because script, we, we know Scripture teaches one God. And so this had to be hard for him. And so I love Jesus and his patience saying, Philip, in a sense, if this is so hard for you to accept, at least accept the evidence of the miracles. Meaning, I think that I can read in between the lines here saying, Philip, I get it that this is hard. This is hard for you to accept. So Philip, at least look at the miracles and accept the evidence of the miracles themselves. Because these miracles that I have performed, they point to the fact that I and the Father are one. John 1 verse 1. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it goes on and it says, And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now that that can be a little bit confusing there. The Word... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's the Word? Verse 14 explains what the Word is. The Word took on humanity, put on flesh. God himself, Jesus, came down to our world. We celebrate this at Christmas time, the incarnation. God himself came down here, took on flesh, became one of us. The Word, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. The Word was God. John 5, verses 17 and 18. Jesus said to them, My Father is always at His work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill Him. Why? Not only was He breaking the Sabbath, 
but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The Jews did not like this. Jesus was doing work on the Sabbath and the the Jewish people said, you can't do this. And part of Jesus' response was referring to God as his father and that that was to the Jewish people, blasphemy, you can't say that. How could you say that? It made him one with the Father. John chapter 8, verses 57 through 59. The Jewish people again, they said to Jesus, they were having conversation about their ancestor Abraham. And, and, and the Jewish people responded to Jesus and said, this is crazy, you are not even 50 years old yet. And yet you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because it was blasphemy to their ears. You cannot claim. You cannot claim this. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Last week we talked about Moses. We talked about Moses and the burning bush. And Moses was asking God, God, if I'm to go to Pharaoh... Who do I say sent me? And God said, you tell Pharaoh this. I am has sent you. Tell Pharaoh that I am has sent you. Yes, you say I am. And now Jesus is saying to these Jewish people, before Abraham was, I am. Why did the Jewish people go crazy and try to stone him? Because to their ears, it was blasphemy. You do not claim this. You are making yourself equal with the Father. John 10, verse 38, Jesus said, Believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and that I am in the Father. Colossians 1, 15 and 17, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. You want to see God, look at the Son. You want to know God, our Father, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. It goes on and it says that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. For by him, Jesus Christ, all things were created. All things were created by him and for him. He, Jesus Christ, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is sustaining us. Why did we receive another day of life today? Because of Jesus and his mighty power. He is sustaining all of us. He sustains us. He's power. He's powerful. Hebrews 1 verse 8, this is the Father speaking about the Son. It says in speaking about the Son, God the Father says to the Son, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Those are interesting words, aren't they? Interesting words for the Father to say to the Son, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. In the year 325, the Nicene Creed 
was written, and it said this in referring to Jesus Christ. It says, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. Why has the church historically revered Christ as God? Why have we done this for 2,000 years? Because this is what Scripture teaches. And Isaiah reminds us of this truth. This is not just a moral teacher. Jesus who is coming. Remember, Isaiah is writing 700 years prior to Jesus' coming. The deliverer who will come, the deliverer who is going to come, he is wonderful counselor, mighty God. He is everlasting father. This is who he is. This is why the church has historically taught this because this is what the Bible teaches. But you know what? Far more than just doctrine. I mean, I love doctrine. But far more than doctrine. What does this mean? This means that God himself cared enough to enter our world as a baby. But this Christ child was so much more so much, excuse me, so much more than a baby. You see, a baby, what can a baby do? And for that matter, what can a human being do? Or for that matter, what can a great prophet do? Now, there are some great things that God does to the prophets, the great prophets of old. And yet they're human But Jesus who came was so much more than that. So much more than just a great teacher. God himself who chose to come. He came here. He became one of us. Why? Why did he become one of us? So that we might become one of him? Hardly at all. Not at all. No! Not so that I might become one of him. I will never be a God. He came here so that I could dwell with him. So that you could dwell with him. That's why he came here. He came here because his father has a house and he longs that you and I would dwell there too. Do you understand that? Do you understand the heart of God? The heart of God that says, I long that those I have created would dwell with me in my Father's house. We have a good God. We have a God who longs for you and me to dwell with him. And we can dwell with him because of Christ who came, who died on the cross for my sin, for your sin. And if I by faith receive this gift of salvation, that's a good gift. If I receive this gift... I have life forever with God in heaven. A dwelling place has been made for me, made for you. Jesus said again, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. 
Do you recognize this? Do you recognize this? God came as a baby. God came through Jesus, who is the wonderful counselor. He is mighty God, and he is everlasting Father. These are quite the words, aren't they? He is everlasting Father. Salvation is found in him. It is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. It is in the name Jesus. God the Father has planned this from ages ago. This is part of his plan and it's a beautiful plan. It's not my plan. It's his plan. And I submit myself to his plan. Do you submit yourself to his plan?